0: Hello, everyone. I'm Blake Farha.
1: And I'm Jazz Meyer.
0: And this is See You in Sleep County, a podcast where we tell bedtime stories written for adults. And these stories are so very special because they're written by the one and only Jazz Meyer, and they come straight from her personal journals and are adapted to be whimsical tales so you can drift off into a nice night of sweet slumber.
1: See You in Sleep County is part of the Bear Radio Network, and Bear Radio is Berlin's English-speaking podcast network. So if you're looking for a new podcast to lay your lovely ears on, you can head over to Bearradio.org and find a podcast that will suit exactly what you're looking for. Blake, you have been experimenting with electronic music recently, which is a bit of a diversion, I guess, from the kind of music that you usually make. And I would love to hear about what that's doing for you, what kind of process you're going through with this new endeavour.
0: Wow, Jazz. Wow, thats uh, I'm not ready to talk about my electronic music yet. Oh, DJ is it a secret? DJ, DJ Blakey Blake is not ready for his release. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, but it's so lovely.
0: DJ Blakers. <laughs> so I've been making electronic music lately or using sort of electronic instruments to make music. And it's been a really exciting and fun project. And I think that there are two like big things that kind of um, instigated this. The first is, you know, I think without realizing it, uh, I've been putting so much pressure on myself my whole life to go out there and make it, you know, in whatever capacity and, and make it by make it. I, of course, mean like make millions of dollars and be a really renowned person and be famous and have my picture on magazines and on TV, which like as an adult, I'm embarrassed to admit that because it feels like a very childish thing to want. Uh, but it, I think it's always been there, this desire to be good, to be the best, really. And recently, I think I've realized, like, what an immense amount of pressure this has been putting on me. And, like, it's, I think it's been a very real driving factor in the depression and anxiety that has been hounding me my entire life. This sensation of never getting closer to that place. And recently, now that I'm 30, I'll be 34 in December, I, I just had a moment where I was like give up like give up in the sense that this just isn't where you're headed and that's fine you know because this fame and notoriety is not what defines you as a person you are great regardless of whether there are a million people screaming your name or not and this has taken an immense amount of pressure off me and suddenly I find myself in a place where I just want to enjoy my time you know it's not about how can I best use my time to get somewhere it's how can I best use this moment to be in the moment and enjoy my life so that if I die tomorrow, I'll be like, cool, I had a great day yesterday. That was great. So this has allowed me to start experimenting because up to now it's been like, well, I don't know what to do and I don't know if it's going to serve me, so I'm just not going to do it. And now I feel this freedom to experiment and to grow and try new things. So this has led to me thinking, okay, well, I've got all this music that I've written, but it's very lonely. It's just me and my guitar and my voice. And I don't want to start a band, but I would love to introduce... Some yeah, some more dimensions to the music that I write, so i 've started dabbling with electronic music and using you know different um, softwares and kind of getting my feet wet uh, i think and I think that that 's the second thing that has allowed me to do this is allowing myself to go towards fear um, as soon as I opened up one of these programs, you know you see that there are eight billion knobs and buttons and programs, and all these things you don 't understand, and part of me has prevented myself from. Dabbling in this because I love electronic music. I've been listening to it since I was, you know, in in high school, but I've never made it. And I think a part of it is because I'm just like, oh, God, I don't know how to twist all these knobs the right way. Um, But recently I really tried to go towards my fear. If I fear something, if I'm afraid of it and I'm I'm preventing myself from doing it because I'm afraid of it not because I don't want to do it, but because I want to do it, but I'm afraid, then I force myself to do it. And so I was like having a, like a weird moment where I was looking at this new program and I was thinking, oh, I just don't even know where to start. And I was like, good, this is where you need to be. Now dive in and just push a button and see what happens. And five hours later, I was like, wow, I wrote a <laughs> whole song. Look at that. So it's been a really exciting process. You know, I'm feeling playful and experimental and I'm making it just for me. No one will ever hear it, and even if I release it, five people will listen to it, uh, and and that's fine. You know, it's just a really fun process, and I find myself really excited to work on it, and I'm thinking about it all the time. It's keeping me up at night. You know, I've got all these like beeps and boops in the back of my head that are like trying to resolve themselves uh, <laughs> in the in the puzzle that is like the song. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just been a really fun new experience.
1: Those of you listening can't see this. But hopefully you can hear it in his voice. Blake has the biggest smile, plastered on his face, and I love this. Like it's just this joy of creation, (laughs) like (laughs) the pure, as you say, like childlike joy of just like it's play. Really, it's just creating something because it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. A a friend of mine once told me that uh, the opposite of fear, or the antidote to fear, is not courage; it's eagerness. I love this. This has stuck with me for many years. Eagerness. Um, Yeah. Just to. Exactly Mm. as you said, like, you just want to try something, you just want to do something more than you're afraid of it. And Mm. that is, I think it's, it's so easy, actually. And that's what children do. They just do stuff because they want to do stuff. They, They don't overthink it. They're not afraid of it. They just play.
0: Absolutely. Well, and the, and the really one of the really exciting things that I find about this mentality of like the antidote to fear is eagerness is that when you look at something for the first time, let's say, for example, uh, a music creating software, you know, the question I'm asking myself is, oof, can I, can I do it? Can, can I do it? And then as soon as you do something, you realize the question shifts from, can I do it to what can I do with it? You know, and then it becomes this whole open world Mm. of exploration that you can really sink your teeth in and that's now where i'm at like i created one song you know a very simple electronic song that i thought was really fun and then immediately i was like i can't wait to make another one and it's already infinitely more complex than the previous one uh so i think that's the great thing about going towards your fear is that once you do your you find your boundaries expand exponentially just immediately you know
1: Mm -hmm. thanks for sharing
0: thanks for asking jazz i look forward to releasing some of this this these these robotic sounds that i'm making and hopefully (laughs) uh yeah hopefully well hopefully that'll make me feel good yeah for (laughs) sure
1: i'm sure it will
0: (laughs) so jazz i've rambled on long enough about my electronic music thank you very much for asking and i look forward to sharing it uh on the note of creating and creativity for creativity's sake uh how how did you feel about making tonight's story
1: Tonight's story actually has been kind of uh, confronting in a strange way. So this story hails from the earliest point in my life that we visited in this uh, podcast so far. Wow. This is from 2005, so I was 15. And it's very strange reading back my journals uh, from 15 years ago and sort of seeing what kind of person I was and what was important to me and what was happening in my life, like my inner workings. Mm. Um So, yeah, it's 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 been a really interesting story to write um, because it almost feels like writing about somebody else. Um, Mm. But yeah, but it's been very good. Uh, That's
0: that's beautiful, though. Right. Like, thank Thank God it feels like you're writing about somebody else. Because if (laughs) I read a journal entry from when I was 15, I was like, I feel exactly the same today. I'd be like, oh, (laughs) my God, I've done nothing. I've done nothing with my life.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it definitely is a, um, it's like a landmark almost, you know, of progress mm. to, to be able to look back on. But, um, but it has been getting me very nostalgic for my adolescence, actually, and like mm-hmm. the friends that I had then and just how simple life was. Um, but yeah, this story has been really lovely because it's, um, it's reminded me of my best friend from my teenage years. Uh, her name is Kachiri. And actually, we recently uh, got in touch again after a long time of not speaking to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really cool. Yeah. Like just a lot of nostalgia whirling around me <laughs> at the moment. Wow. So this story features her very heavily. And this is about a day that we spent together. Um, and we were very strange teenagers in some ways. Like we had some very weird pastimes, like, um, you'll see in the story, but we, we were entertained by things that most people overlook or like don't pay much mind to. Um, mm. and in the story we visited a medieval fair. Um, which, again, I think most teenagers are not, like, particularly drawn to. But, yeah, we um, we got really wow, into Jazz. medieval fairs for a while, <laughs> and this is the very first one we went to. So it was a lovely day. It's something that remains in my memory.
0: We got really into medieval fairs for a while. That's a sentence <laughs> I believe I've never, ever actually heard. Congratulations, Jazz. You've strung a sentence together that I've never heard spoken before. <laughs>
1: I have a skill. I have a skill for that. <laughs> you and I went to a medieval fair once, actually, and it was a, a latent um, a latent enjoyment from my, from my teenage years, actually. It got me, got me really nostalgic. I so remember that. I'm happy that we got to share that yeah, together. Yeah, the
0: Christmas market we went to, and we had sparklers.
1: We did have sparklers. So with that, Blake, I will hand it over to you to read tonight's story entitled Round the Maypole.
0: Round the Maypole. Beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. yes it was a, a glorious time and to those of you listening thank you for being here and supporting us with your attention if you'd like to support us in another way you can go to patreon.com slash see you in Slave county and help us pour as much time and energy and love into this little podcast as we would like to
0: And if you'd like to support us in yet another way, you can tell your friends about See You in Sleep County. We would absolutely love you to go and be our prophets and tell the world that you enjoy this little podcast and then maybe they'll get to enjoy this little podcast as well. And we will thank you from the bottom of our hearts.
1: So with that, I'm Jazz Maya. Sweet dreams, sleep well, And I'll see you in Sleep County.
0: Thanks very much, Jazz.
2: As we prepare for tonight's story, gently close your eyes and snuggle into bed. Allow yourself to find the position that feels just right. And when you've found that perfect spot, nestled among the covers, take a nice, slow deep breath, letting the worries of the day drift away as you exhale. Imagine the air falling into your belly and chest as you breathe in effortlessly. And as you breathe out, imagine the breath falling out of you again. Take a moment to feel the bed beneath you, gently supporting your body. Release any tension you might be feeling, starting with the muscles in your face. One by one, allow them to go slack. Let the muscles in your arms, shoulders, and chest relax. Move your attention to your belly, your lower back, and let them sink into the mattress. Release any tightness in your thighs, your knees, your calves, and your feet. And enjoy for a moment the feeling of total relaxation. Your body totally at ease. And now for tonight's story Round the Maypole by Jasmire. My penchant for the absurd started long before adolescence. But it was truly in my teenage years that the absurdist in me flourished, finding great joy in the strange and wonderful things that were overlooked by most. The things that caught my attention were varied in nature, and looking for any kind of pattern would have been an exercise in insanity. It was simply the whimsy of innocence on the verge of self-awareness, drifting from one impulse to another without any particular rhyme or reason. Looking back, I almost marvel at my teenage self, marvel at my tendency to get swept up in the strangest things with a fervor bordering on obsession and an apparent lack of self-consciousness. It helped to have an accomplice, a partner in absurdist crime, and Kachiri was the perfect girl for the job. She had a maniac's mind, always swimming with ideas, even more obsessed than I was with obscurity and wonder. I saw her then as a genius of whimsy, a savant of the ridiculous. With her sharp features and dark glowing eyes, she gave the impression of a mischievous pixie, always looking for trouble under the guise of youthful innocence. I was the better behaved of the two of us, but couldn't resist the pull of a good adventure or a playful amusement and we whiled away most of our days with the bizarre activities we thought up together. On this particular day, we had a destination in mind, but even our journey there was imbued with the unusual. As the rhythmic click-clack of the train sped us toward Brisbane, we huddled together on the seat, and pored over the thesaurus we had packed for entertainment. Only people of a certain disposition could appreciate the comedic value of the thesaurus, and we were of that disposition. Our fingers and eyes greedily flicked through the pages, hovered hesitantly over certain entries searching for as-yet-unseen jokes and nonsense. When we finally alighted upon the word fool, we knew we had found what we were looking for. Page after page was filled with what seemed like a never-ending list of synonyms, a veritable masterpiece of insults. We read them aloud to each other, our giggles rolling and rollicking around and through us as other passengers threw us sideways glances that couldn't possibly have penetrated our bubble. We danced through words like galoot, spoony, and a ding and laughed to the point of breathlessness at pea-eater, juggins, and Flibert gibbet. It was the purest kind of laughter, fueled by the simple carelessness of adolescence, and I relished that moment, laughing at nonsense with my best friend. Our giggles almost drowned out the voice that greeted us then. Through our laughter, we managed to look up and find a boy our age peering down at us, with an amused, half-cocked smile. We'd spied him and his friends as we were boarding the train and had made friendly, if slightly awkward, conversation. It was a marvelous phenomenon of adolescence that drew those of similar subcultures together, and these fellow teens, with their black clothes, silver accessories, and statement haircuts, Had been like a beacon to Kachiri and I. Now this boy was acting in kind, inviting us to sit with them at the other end of the carriage, and we happily accepted, our chests glowing with the sense of belonging that only teenagers know. The boy, Jory, led us down the hallway his broad shoulders loping ahead of us, his hair rippling slightly whenever he moved it out of his dark almond eyes with a flick of his head. The group welcomed us easily, and we spent the rest of the train ride idly chatting, sharing between us a giant cookie that Jory had produced from somewhere. There was laughter and lightness, mingled with that inherent self-consciousness that comes with adolescence. As the train slowed to a stop, Kachiri and I bid farewell to our new friends, and, thesaurus in hand, stepped out into the crisp autumn sunshine. The streets of South Bank greeted us with a friendly air, straddling the line between sleepy and bustling. I loved being in this city, an occurrence that happened far too seldom, but that brought me an immense amount of joy and an excited sense of wonder. Escaping the confines of our small, boring suburb was something I always looked forward to. It wasn't long before we reached our destination, and we saw even from the end of the street the regalia that spilled from the entrance of Musgrave Park. Ribbons and flags marked the entrance, and a crowd milled there, moving to and fro before a sign that read Brisbane Medieval Fair. The two of us rushed forward excitedly, invigorated by the sight of the medieval garb that adorned many of the visitors. Long, flowing dresses with laced bodices mingled among clandestine robes with drooping hoods. This was the latest in our strange collection of past times, and we were excited to see what we would discover here. Stepping past the threshold was like entering another world entirely, and we were immediately enthralled by all that we saw. Stall after stall lined the makeshift streets of the fairground, each touting their wares. We could barely absorb all that we saw, and that was to say nothing of the crowd. We were surrounded by not only casual observers, but also the truly dedicated, people for whom this was no passing whimsy, but a lifestyle. We saw simple peasant garb and gleaming chainmail, leather and hand-spun woolen garments, flags and crests writ with bright colors and intricate motifs. It was a cornucopia of costume, a feast for the eyes. The fair was organized and populated by the various medieval reenactment societies that made this era their way of life and a multitude of camps had been set up to recreate the simple life lived by the people of that time. Cauldrons boiled over open fires, while women in pastel colors spun wool peacefully alongside. In other camps, soldiers prepared for a make-believe battle, their armor shiny, their leather oiled their swords hanging ominously at their sides. We wandered with only our curiosity to guide us, stepping into whichever stall captured our attention. We saw scrolls of parchment inscribed with dainty calligraphy, velveteen dresses in rich burgundies and deep greens, leather bracelets and silver pendants, all of which we coveted. The heavy clang of metal on metal drew our attention, and we stopped, fascinated, to watch a blacksmith forge a knife from what was once just a billet of steel. His traditional coal fire burned hotly in the background, and the man's face and arms were coated in a thick layer of sweat and black grime. We were entranced by the gleam of the tools the light of the fire, the red-hot glow of hot metal being manipulated before our very eyes. Soon, though, we were drawn to try our hand at a craft of our own, one that promised a different set of challenges. A new acquaintance of mine, Ben, had invited us there, a member of one of the camps who approached his role of squire with gusto. It was him that we found manning the archery range, guiding novices to shoot their first bow at the colored targets hung a short distance away. He donned a long white tunic, emblazoned with the crest of his guild in striking red. Beneath the tunic, he was clad in gray and black, and a pair of leather boots completed the ensemble. It was at once impressive. And amusing, this boy our age transported into the world of knights and squires, ladies and lords. We were there for the same reason, though, somehow drawn by this fascination for another life and another time, and we relished his involvement in such a tradition. With a degree of embarrassment, Ben greeted us and we enthusiastically asked for an archery lesson at his little range. He produced a bow and passed it to me, the silken wood almost alive in my hands, the taut string waiting diligently to perform its task. Taking an arrow, I fumbled to place it where it belonged, and he guided me patiently until it was set. With as much strength as I could muster, I pulled back the string with one hand, as the other stretched out before me to hold the bow steady. I was immediately overcome by a sense of calm, the singular purpose of my hands now crystal clear. There was a strange sense of poise and power that came from this sport, and I concentrated that power into my aim before letting the arrow go flying swiftly toward the target. For a first-timer, my aim was not bad, although it wasn't excellent either. No matter, I was hooked and eagerly asked for another arrow. This time my fingers were a little defter, and I placed the arrow upon the string before pulling it back once more. Again, the swift whoosh of the arrow and the twang of the string gave me a unique sense of satisfaction, and I repeated the action one more time before reluctantly handing the bow to Kachiri. My arrows had mostly landed on the target, and I collected them with a smile on my face, in preparation for her turn. For a long time we stayed, trading back and forth with Ben to guide us, and chatted with him until the presence of other hopeful archers convinced us to move on. Upon entering the fair, I had spied, over the tops of the stalls, the tip of a white pole, colored ribbons laced intricately around it, in what appeared to be an ever-changing pattern, and it was this that we went seeking next. There, in the center of the park, we found it, the maypole painted in twisted strands of blue and white, a multitude of ribbons streaming from its zenith. The end of each ribbon was held in the hands of a fair-goer as they danced intricately around each other twisting the strands into ever more intricate patterns. In the background, a band played a jaunty tune, rich with the promise of summer, despite being in the wrong hemisphere for that. It didn't seem to matter. We were immediately endeared to this out-of-place tradition and the strange, unknown nostalgia that accompanied it. I longed for days of which I had never been a part, in a place I had never stepped foot. The colorful frivolity and the simplicity of this life called to me, though they were, no doubt, romanticized versions of themselves. Nevertheless, I had now the opportunity to experience it, if only in this fantasy version of medieval England, and I was not going to miss that chance. When the song ended and the crowd cheered, I heard the announcement I had been hoping for. A new group was invited to learn the summer dance, and I eagerly stepped forward to join in the festivities. Kachiri was happy to watch, and so I joined the other enthusiasts, taking the end of one ribbon in my hand. Step by step we learned the dance, a simple and elegant pattern that had us winding around each other and the pole in the center of our circle. When the music started up again, I was joyously surprised to find myself partaking in the maypole dance I had witnessed with wonder just a few moments earlier. I skipped around my fellow dancers as they skipped around me, twisting and twining the ribbon in my hand, in strange revelry. The day had been a glorious one, spent with laughter and friendship and strange but amusing pastimes, and it all culminated there, in that moment. I was awash with gratitude and novelty, and I danced on with a smile on my face and in my heart twirling with ease round the maypole. That was Round the Maypole, written by the one and only Jazz Meyer. And I have to admit, that is absolutely my favorite of all the stories Jazz has so far written. I just finished reading it right now for the first time and there were so many points throughout the, the story that I had difficulty continuing to read, because I was just so struck with what I was reading. That was truly a beautiful tale, and I think really powerfully captured what it's like to be a teenager and the excitement you feel when you get to go on an adventure with your friend, your best friend. Yeah, and as as Jazz wrote, that amazing power to find people of your ilk and just feel like you belong with them so quickly. Sort of a simple acceptance of the people around you and of feeling accepted by them. It's exciting. I hope you enjoyed this wonderful tale, this incredible glorification of the absurd. It made me think about the absurd senses of humor that my friends and I had growing up. and really brought a smile to my face. And I hope it brought one to yours as well. If you're still awake, I hope you're feeling relaxed and are ready to rest easy. If you'd like to support this podcast, share See You in Sleep County with your friends, your family, your loved ones, and let them know just how many beautiful stories like Round the Maypole are waiting here for them. Feel free to get in touch with us through our Instagram at See You in Sleep County. We'd be so happy to hear from you. And if you'd like to support us in a different way, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com Sleep County, where your donations will get you lovely benefits and help support us in continuing to put the time, energy, and love into this podcast that we know it deserves. I want to thank you so much for joining us for another story. There will be so many more to come, and we look forward to sharing them all with you. I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight for another story. I'm Blake Farha. I want to wish you a good night, sweet dreams, and I'll see you in Sleep County.